Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. I just think it's enticement. It's not rocket science. It can be done. I truly believe it can. It's wanton destruction. It's also illegal. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Good morning, Fiona Corcoran in for PJ Coogan on the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM on this lovely Wednesday morning. Now, as you heard in the news there with Vic, um, there will be several vaccination centres open in Cork City and County over the bank holiday weekend, which will be offering walk-in first dose vaccinations for anyone aged over 16. Those places again, um, in, on Saturday there will be a walk-in centre at Clonakilty GAA Club um, from 11am to 3 p.m. on Sunday in Bantry Primary Care Centre on Sunday between 11am and 3pm on Sunday in City Hall in Cork City from 1pm to 4pm and on Monday from or in the MTU Centre former CIT in Bishopstown from 10am to 4pm and also, can we just say congratulations from the team here on the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM to the women's rowers who secured Ireland's first medal in the Olympics, taking home a bronze last night. The team, of course, made up of Afra Kyo, Emer Lam, Fiona Murta and Emily, Emily Hegarty, who's from Skibbereen. And I'm sure there will be huge excitement in Skibbereen today for her and for Paul O'Donovan, of course, who will be rowing tomorrow and who um, yesterday broke a world record for his time in that as well. So well done to everybody involved there. Now, um, unfortunately, we heard the devastating and horrific news this morning of a child who was um, dead after an incident in our Boyne area of Belfast yesterday. And joining me now is reporter Gronya McKinney from U105 station in Belfast, one of our sister stations. Good morning, Gronya. Good morning, Fiona. Good morning. Obviously, it's um, a horrific story. Gronya. what can you tell us so far? I know it's very early in the investigation, but what do you know so far? So, as you said, a murder investigation has, has been launched after a 
child has been confirmed dead um, in the Ordoin area. Uh, emergency services, including a rapid response paramedic and two ambulance crews, as well as several police officers, were called to a house in Brompton Park shortly after a quarter past eight last night. Um, two people were taken to hospital and North Belfast MP John Finucane is saying one of those patients is another child who's currently in a critical condition. Um, one person's been arrested and police aren't looking for anyone else in connection with the investigation and officers and forensic teams remain at the scene this morning. What's the atmosphere like around the area this morning? Uh, I think it's uh, one of complete devastation and shock. Um, it's a very close-knit community. You know, the houses in the Ardoin are, are very, very close together and there is a lot of families who, who live there. Um, I think an important thing to highlight is the police and politicians are making appeals for people to be sensitive mm. um, when posting or sharing on social media. Um, I know there were videos taken from the scene last night and there's a lot of speculation going around about about what happened, but people are asked to be aware that could compromise what is a live murder investigation and also cause, you know, further distress among a community which, which has been left completely in shock this morning. I did see some of those tweets, some from some of the local politicians asking people not to speculate and not to share images on social media because I suppose that's the kind of world we live in, unfortunately, at the minute. Yeah, and you've just you've just got to hope that uh, you know the community will pull together, and I'm I'm sure they will. To we we don't have that much detail as of yet, but I'm sure there's families in in mourning this morning, and they're they're just going to want to pull together, come together for those those people that have been left so hurt, um, neighbours and and family alike. So I think it's just just being conscious that what is put on social media. Mm. can have an impact. What's the area like, Ronya? Is it a, a big community, small community? People will obviously be turning to their councillors and other leaders for some comfort at this stage. Well, the Ardoin itself is, is, you know, it's not a huge area, but mm. um, it's it's pretty significant, but the, it is close-knit, you know. Uh, the, the, there will be a lot of community events. Um, like I said, the houses are very close together. You know, you get the impression that you could call into a neighbour's house, no, no problem. Mm. Um, so obviously they're going to be turning to each other, and there has been. I mean, the local politicians, uh, that MP uh, John Finucane, he's been at the scene since last night. Um, other politicians, like people before Profit, they've been down there. Mm. So I think they're also going to want a bit of, you know, a bit of leadership and a bit of compassion today, mostly um, because mm. it's it's just a shocking. Tra- tragic story and you know the media are going to be be present there as well on a community which you know isn't used to this this sort of horrific circumstance I know and it is and it's very hard to be at a scene like that and to be able to report from a scene like that will there be any press conference later do you know uh, the PS and I have said that it's at an early stage and further information will be given in due course we haven't given details of a, a press conference as yet, but okay. I, I'm sure 
something like that will will probably occur later on in the day. Okay, that was Senior Broadcast Journalist with U105, Grania McKinney, and thank you very much for joining us, Grania, on the line this morning. It's an absolutely tragic story that's unfolding from Belfast this morning. One child dead, one critically ill, one person arrested, and a murder investigation has been launched there in Ardboyne. Um, as we mentioned earlier at the start of the show, there will be walk-in clinics in Cork, and I named out some of those... Um, clinics and I will be joined shortly on the line by Dr John Sheehan but if anybody wants to get in touch with us um, if they have any um, queries about the centre or if they have any comments to make about walk-in centres or indeed about getting your child vaccinated because these centres are now open for children as well over the age of 16 you can get in touch with us here on the Opinion Line on Cork's 96 FM 1850 or 083-396-96 and the email as always is opinion at 96fm.ie and joining me now to talk about these walk-in clinics um, and who has hopefully got some more information with regards to these clinics is Blackpool GP Dr John Sheehan. Good morning John. Morning Fiona. Uh, John thanks for joining us on the show this morning. John uh, the walk-in clinics we have four there's two in the county and two in the city so what do people need to be aware of when they're going to the centres? There's a couple of things. I think this is a good idea, Fiona, in the sense that there's always people out there who, for whatever reason, were away or didn't get around to it. And it's, 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 I suppose it just opens the access to people who may not have booked or may not have uh, had their vaccination. So it's a first dose vaccine. So people who've had a dose somewhere else, it's not for them. They have to be over 16. They need to bring ID with them and um, they can get the vaccine. They don't need an appointment. It's in City Hall, as you were saying, and in MTU in, in the city, and then it's in the county as well. And it's on, the reason they're doing August Bank Holiday Weekend, it traditionally is kind of a quieter time where other people are away, um, and it allows them to kind of mop up and to, you know, to, to, to catch other people and extend the vaccine out. So I think it's a really positive, good idea. And we've heard this week as well that the vaccine now is open for children over the age of 15. Is it 15 to 18 year olds now? Uh, 16 to 18. 16 to 18. 16, apologies there. So 16 to 18 year olds can avail of the vaccine now. Um, And Uh, With regards to boosters, um, I was speaking to Professor Gabriel Scali earlier in the week and he was saying that he expects people may need a booster. Do you know anything more about that? Can you... We don't at the moment. We're, we're, there's actually a national webinar among GPs, Irish College of General Practitioners, at lunchtime today. But right. what seems to be occurring, Fiona, is that it looks like we normally give the flu vaccine from sort of September, October and beginning of November. That's usually when the flu vaccine is rolled out. So it looks like they're looking at combining um, that we will give a booster at the same time as the flu vaccine. And that probably will be quite practical, practical because a lot of practices and pharmacies are set up for the flu vaccine each year. And um, I think it would be logical while doing that, if, if the evidence shows that you can do that, and that we will give that at the same time. Are you getting uh, more calls at the clinic with people who have COVID symptoms? We're getting a few. We're not getting massive, and that's, that's encouraging. And despite the numbers being quite high, in Cork would reasonably well. So one of the things that has really impressed me is that people are very self-aware that if they have symptoms, they should be going for testing. So even people with fairly mild symptoms are ringing and, and going to get tested. And that just shows you the level of sort of public awareness that people are out there. They say, listen, I'm feeling fine. 
But these are the symptoms I have. I feel I should need to be tested, and usually they do need to be tested. So that's encouraging to see sort of that public awareness and, you know, that people aren't ignoring their symptoms. Because there can be a temptation, I suppose, among people to sort of look and say, oh, I, I'm fine, I'm grand, I don't want to go through all the hassle of it and all the sort of ramifications. But people have been very responsible in terms of um, going for testing. And are you getting any uh, concerns from parents about getting their children vaccinated before school starts in September? Are they anxious to get them all vaccinated? Not yet. I think people are still a little bit in summer mode, which is just yeah. absolutely great, given the last sort of week or, week or two that we've had. But now that with the announcement um, yesterday of the 12 to 15-year-olds have um, probably been vaccinated and the rollout of that, I think we'll get a lot more of that. And I think people will be quite keen to get their, you know, their, their, their younger children vaccinated because with schools opening in September, you want to get that in sort of in August. If it's the Pfizer, which looks like it is, or the Moderna, there's a, there's sort of a, takes four to five weeks from the first dose to sort of fully immune. So I think we'll see in the next couple of weeks a big push um, on that. Brilliant. Thank you very much for joining us on the Opinion Line. That was Dr. John Sheehan. And coming up next, we'll be looking at the new rules around weddings. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 0833969696. On Quartz 96 FM. Fiona Corcoran in for PJ Coogan today. Now, yesterday, the government confirmed that the number of guests attending weddings can increase from 50 to 100, which was great news for so many couples who are getting married over the coming weeks. Um, Ashton Kelleher is a freelance hairstylist and specialist in bridal upstyles. Good morning, Ashling. Hi, Fiona. How are you? How are you? How, what, what, what's the atmosphere like today from brides-to-be? It's brilliant. <laughs> There's no other way of putting it. It's really, really good. I'm actually on my way to meet a bride that is getting married in about three weeks' time. Right. Um, so she's like one of these brides that was fluctuating between 25 guests and 50 guests. And now knowing that it's up to the 100 guests. It's just fantastic. It's really, really good. So there's, it's been a very difficult um, 15 or 16 months for the wedding industry anyway. So this is just icing on the cake. Pardon the pun. (laughs) (laughs) And for you yourself, I mean, you're dealing with brides all the time. Um, Has it been very hard to switch off from all of the uncertainty and all of the upset that people have been experiencing? My hand on heart now, it's been... It's such. It has been such an emotional roller coaster from a business side because I think, and I think I speak for a lot of us bridal uh, players. I think when the government thought about weddings, like the wedding industry is like the revenue that that comes in from weddings is phenomenal. But whenever it was spoken about through government, it was always like a sort of forgotten about sector. Um, but it's like, as I said, the like money that comes in is phenomenal from like weddings. Mm. So um, yeah, it's been it's been a really really tough like fifteen sixteen months because we obviously build up relationships with our brides or grooms, um, and you get emotionally invested with a lot of them too. You know, so to understand their upset and you know it's just been really really hard 
With regards to the styles now, Ashling, um, do you know, obviously in the past, weddings have been such a big deal and we've had huge numbers at weddings and there's been so mm-hmm. much expense in, sp- spent on like the dresses and the hair. Are people going yeah. for a more kind of um, paired back style now? Do you know something? I think it comes down to a very personal choice um, for obvious reasons. Like, n- there will never be the one bride that will be the, like, same. You, like, quite often you would see the same sort of dress, say, but it will be very much styled in a different manner regards hair, makeup, flowers, and all of that. So mm-hmm. it really does come down to more of a personal thought, but... Um, the weddings now are lovely. Like weddings have always been a very personal approach, but they're really, really special now. And I think even as guests that are going, guests are really thankful and excited for the like day too. Because like we haven't been to a wedding in young. But mm. in saying that, like, um, like personally myself. Yes, I'm back working, but my business is nowhere near the amount of bookings that it should have. And that really won't be fully back until about March 2022. Do you think that this pandemic is going to change the way we have weddings here in Ireland? Because, you know, it did become such a big thing. Like you heard of weddings that had like 300 guests, 400 guests. Yeah. Like I was talking to a bride or a guest one time and she told me about a wedding that she was at and you couldn't even hear or see the the top table when they were doing the speeches because it was yeah. just so many people at the wedding. Um, and, you know, like you had half the community invited, you know. So yeah. do you think yeah. that, yeah. Um, yeah. that that's going to change, that people might, you know, have looked at people who maybe had a smaller pair back kind of wedding and think, well, that might actually be nicer. Yeah. And, you know, do you think it has changed people's views? you know views? something? I don't think it will change, but I think what it has taught us is that anything is possible with like weddings now you can have the most beautiful one with like 25 to 50 guests or on the opposite side you can have like a bigger one it and again it just comes down to a personal sort of um thought in in, in like regards planning and all of that but i think like what i'm after seeing um since i've been allowed back work is that um, people are really sort of um, going more relaxed and paired back to a certain point. Mm. Like a lot of the fuss, a lot of the drama is sort of gone, but they're still having the best day, you know, and it's just, um, yeah, you know, it's just a very exciting time now knowing that we are back at the hundred guests. Mm. But I just hope that they won't change that as winter comes in then and stuff like that. Do you know? I know. I know. I think that's what everyone is hoping, isn't it? That you know. Absolutely. It's... Yeah. I think they're for as exciting as what it is. I do think there's a little bit of fear there, and I think we can understand that because, uh, like, we have all heard before that you can have your fifty guests and then it's paired back to twenty five or something like that. So let's just keep our fingers and toes and everything across that. It will stay at 100 guests.
Brilliant. Okay, Ashling, thanks very much. What do you think, listeners? Do you think that weddings are going to change? Have we seen the end of the big massive weddings? Are we going to go for more intimate type weddings, smaller type weddings here? Uh, let us know what you think. 1850 Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 On Cork's 96FM. Earlier I mentioned that there will be four walk-in centres for vaccinations against COVID-19 opening in the city and county over the bank holiday weekend and Councillor McNugent has been in touch saying you wonder what 16 to 17 year olds without ID will do and 12 to 15 year olds after that because I suppose one of the rules for coming into one of the vaccination centres is to have ID so thank you very much for getting in touch with us and anyone else who has any comments in relation to that or anything else we're talking to, about on the show today it's 1850 Now as a parent you probably have spent many a rainy Saturday in one of the city or county's soft play centres um, but they have been closed for quite a long time and they still remain closed Helen McCarthy from Chucky's good morning Good morning. How are you doing? And thank you for highlighting this. Yeah, Helen, um, I think you were hoping to reopen this week. Well, I suppose we've moved our opening date uh, three or four times at this stage in line with uh, the indoor dining. And, you know, I suppose we couldn't understand how we were in that classification anyway, uh, you know, because the premises are much smaller and pubs and everything like that. And last year, we were able to open without before pubs, you know, because it was deemed essential that, you know, children's facilities were available. But mm. this year we've we accepted that we were with indoor hospitality and made our preparations to open as it was delayed and delayed, took on staff, you know, bought in products. Um but then as it came to the most recent reopening, we found ourselves in a different classification which was actually in with amusement arcades, bingo halls, nightclubs and casinos, which we can't understand and we've been kept closed. Um, and there's uh, no uh, cl- uh, clarification as to why this is the case um, and no clear understanding as to, you know, what they're doing to facilitate families uh, with children. You and know. Helen, is it difficult to socially distance in one of these places? Like, obviously, for the parents, they'd be able to sit at tables and there would be the required distance between the tables. But for children who are just running around and using all the equipment, um, is that the reason why they still remain closed? <clears throat> I, I, I don't think so, because last year it wasn't an issue and there wasn't a single case of, of COVID, uh, you know, in play centres. The other thing is, is, Play centres are generally huge places that can accommodate large numbers. And if you take the uh, restrictions of 50 people inside, we'll say in somewhere like Chucky's, you're talking about 20 adults, probably 20 to 25 children. And 20 to 25 children playing in a play area that can accommodate 250 kids. We can have tables that are two or three metres apart. And last year, we introduced mandatory mask wearing before it was even mandatory in the supermarkets. And parents were happy to wear the mask if they were moving around. And generally, it was only to go to the cafe or go to the toilet um, and sit and watch their kids while the kids played and ran around. And the other thing about small kids is that they generally don't really mix with other kids. 
they're playing away in their own head. They're doing their own thing, um, you know. So it's not really a case of, you know, 25 kids in a building, 15,000 square feet. It's not easy. It, it's not difficult to, to, mm-hmm. to distance them, you know. And they'd also be play uh, supervisors as well to kind of ensure that, you know, if there's groups. But generally with 25 kids, you would have five families of, of of kids, you know, or yeah. friends that have been in a bubble already. So it, it it really, and you're also time limited to an hour and a half, you know. So use the places sanitized before and afterwards. So it's much easier to manage than than um, you know a small restaurant or a small pub, where where people are not moving out. The place is sanitized, and yeah. more people are coming in. And Dennis Lynch, you're over in the planet. Good morning, Dennis. Good morning, Shona. Good morning, Helen, as well. Hi, yes, Dennis. How are you? Dennis, you've been closed since the 6th of October. Yeah, 275 days, Fiona, and we're entering our 10th month, and we were closed for 100 days in the, in the first lockdown. Now, I, I'd echo, I'd echo what, what Helen was saying there in terms of what's involved in running a play centre, but what's even more kind of confusing for us is that we also run a, a Tempton Bowling Centre as part of our offering. Mm. And... Before the lockdown, we were operating with every second lane to ensure social distancing and so on. Um, like we see ourselves as being very similar to cinemas, and and like what we found now is that like you can bring a child for a pint, but you can't bring them to a play centre or take them for an hour's bowling. You know, like mm. we're we're highly confused by this. To be and how difficult has this time been for you and your staff, Dennis? Asher, look. We, I think fundamentally, Fiona, we all understand and we, we appreciate the, the seriousness of COVID. Um, and like our big issue is that we're kind of the forgotten tribe in all of this. Like we've mm. had so many false dawns. We see the economy opening back up. We've we've played our part the same as everybody else has. But like, can you tell me that 100 people at a wedding, and we're delighted that the numbers are, are increased for weddings, but 100 people at a wedding on a Saturday night... Uh, that we present a greater uh, risk by having a few uh, people into bowl, a family bowling on a Saturday afternoon. Like, there's no consistency in this, and, and this is our big issue. I know a lot of people listening to the opinion line on Corks 96 FM this morning might say, well, you know, kids can go outside and play, the weather has been lovely. But I mean, for some parents, it's a real relief to be able to go into a play centre for an hour or two. Um, and, you know, especially if the weather is against us, which it often is in Ireland. And also, I know in Chucky's, they close the centre for a certain amount of time every week to allow kids with autism um, to come in and use the club. And Karen O'Mahony, you're the mother of one of the children who avails of that. Good morning, Karen. Good morning. Good morning, Helen. Good morning, Dennis. Hi, Karen. Um, yeah, How are you? Um, we, we, we as, a, as a group, have used Chucky's over the years, and Helen and her staff have always been really amazing for, for looking after the needs um, of so many of our families. And I mm. suppose like, it, it's really important here to, to acknowledge, too, that you know there's, there's a lot of, of shifts and changes that have been thrown at, at people and we all understand this pandemic is something that nobody has, has known anything about um, and everyone is trying to find a way but for our children routine and structure is really important um, so for them and the reliance on a place that they know that's familiar to them that they trust and that they can use is really is really really um, it, it's part of that family framework 
Um, now we have we have our, our numbers have grown significantly in the time. Um, a lot of our families that use chuckies outside of that um, during the week and at the weekends depend on that time because it's part of the child's routine and that child is, is really needing it and they look forward to it and it's it's somewhere that they relax and they can enjoy. Mm. Um, and I suppose. You know, for us here um, at Rainbow Club, we we support 518 children a week, and in our and we've all we've been open since last July, and we've been under really really strict measures. It is achievable to run um, something when you're really staying on top of of your fogging and your your sanitising, and I suppose like the fogging system that Sanitise Ireland came into us with is really really effective, and we haven't had anything in club. We've had no child sick, we've had no family member, we've had no staff out sick. So it's really effective. And if, if, if places like Chucky's and Planet are willing to do all of that work, they should be encouraged and supported to reopen under those measures once they are taking on the responsibility of making sure that their, their members and their visitors are, are safe. And I mean, both places are very, very big. They're re- wide open spaces. Mm. You'd often find, you know, that you have well ventilated areas and things, but the fogging and um, the antimicrobial fogging, when you spray an area that that has a strength of 40, 48 to seventy two hours, so you know anything that touches that it kills the bacteria. So places can can reopen and use a lot of these systems to keep their their members safe. But again, it's it's. It's the consistency and you look at last week in the really hot weather, a lot of our children struggled massively in that kind of weather. Mm. So on a really warm, hot day, you'd go to a play centre to give the child the activity because they can't manage outside in, in that kind of heat or that environment. You can't take them to the beach. And, you know, for, for us, I suppose, when, when my boys were younger, um, they would have we would have had to go to somewhere like Chucky's to be able to give them some bit of a run around. Um, because they didn't like the beach, you know. So I think yeah. if, if businesses are willing to do that and they're willing, you know, their staff are on board and everybody wants to work together, then they should be allowed to to reopen and make sure that they're keeping themselves and their staff safe at the same time. And it, it is it is very achievable, you know. And Helen Karen mentioned support for the soft play centres. Are you getting support from this from the government? Well, I suppose we're getting the same as everybody else, and I have to say, you know, I, you know, th- these supports are vital, and we appreciate them. Any business that was there throughout the recession knew what it was like to to actually operate without supports and try and keep afloat. So they are the difference between. Uh, floating and going under, but they don't pay for everything. Mm. You know, they're ba- it, it, you know the the CRSS is based on twenty percent of your t- turnover. The, the insurance isn't twenty percent uh, of what it was the previous year, or your building, your rent isn't twenty percent of what it was the previous year. So you know the uh, the same as Dennis. You know, of the last seventeen months, we've only been open for two of those months. You rely on the busy months to pay for the quieter months. It's not a hard and fast rule, and I suppose we all put significant investment in to opening up last year, including buying fogging machines. And I'm glad, you know, that Karen mentioned them because mm. the level of effort that play centres went to to make sure that they were exceptionally safe and exceptionally clean and, you know, going above and beyond with the sanitising, you know, and all that investment went to waste because we were closed two months later and have been closed for the last 
um, you know, almost 10 months at this stage. So the sports, absolutely, you know, we welcome them and we appreciate them. But the hole is getting bigger each month um, in terms of, you know, the outgoings as opposed to what's coming in, you know. So, so Dennis, I suppose now at this stage, it's just a waiting game to find out when you're going to be able to reopen. Yeah, that's where we are, Fiona, at this stage. Um, like, I mean, I suppose we'd have to commend the, the hotels and the vintners for, for their uh, lobbying efforts. And mm. like, you know, like, but should it really be a case of who shouts the loudest? You know, surely these businesses should be judged on their merits. I mean, to just recap on what the ladies were saying, like, um, in, in terms of measures, like, we had fogging machines and hand sanitizers and contact tracing and temperature checks and, and so on. And, like, you know, we were proud of our staff and happy with our efforts. And, you know, and here we are now, kind mm. of, we've dropped to the bottom of the list. And, and we think absolutely without foundation. There's no fairness or equity in, in this thing, unfortunately. Thank you very much. That was Dennis Lynch from The Planet, Helen McCarthy from Chucky's and Karen O'Mahony. Thanks, guys, for joining us on this um, issue. What do you think? Do you miss the soft play centres? Do you, would you feel safe bringing your, your children there? Is it a case of, like, as Dennis was saying there about the fitners, it's a case of he who shouts the loudest gets what he wants? Um, call us on 1850 or text 083-396-9696. Have you ever heard of the America's Cup? Well, it might be coming to Cork. Joanna Murphy, what's the story? Hi, Fiona. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, it's exciting. It's really exciting. But I suppose the first thing really for your listeners this morning, because a lot of people may not know what the the America's Cup is, Hmm. um, I suppose it's one of the most famous sailing events in the world. And it's probably one of the third biggest events in the world alongside the Olympics and the World Cup. Um, and I kind of I read up on it last night myself. So it's one of the oldest competitions in the sport. We're basically of the best sailors sailing the fastest of the yachts, and it's probably one of the most difficult trophies to win. And I was kind of interested to know where the actual name came from. So back in nineteen eight, uh, sorry, the eighteen fifty one, the boat that won that first was actually called America, and that's where the name came from. Yeah. So. Yeah, so it's just kind of interesting to know that. And what's the story? Why is it um, possibly coming to Cork? Are we in a bid for it to host it? Yeah, so there was, um, I think there was something like 34 contenders. We're now down to two. So hopefully we're going to get it, um, which is great. And when you think of it, I suppose our key selling point in Cork Harbour is that we're the the second biggest natural harbour in the world. Um, I suppose the proximity to the city is only 20 minutes. And, you know, there's different platforms within Cork Harbour where you could actually have those yachts. And the spect- like, even when you have the cruise ships coming into Cove and the harbour, you can see them, like the, the, the spectator view from all those areas is actually really good. So I think if the yachts are going to come in to Cove or the harbour to, to race, I mean, you're going to be able to see them from all aspects of the harbour. And I think, uh, Joanna, that the Minister for Foreign Affairs, Cork Simon Coveney, has been very, um, has been working hard on this, on getting it to Cork. So, do you know, he has got great connections um, and... He's done Trojan work. And I mean, Simon's a great sailor himself, uh, Minister Simon. And he's, he's a great sailor and he's a huge advocate for Cork Harbour. And I do know he's put in an awful lot of effort into this whole event. So I really just hope we get it, you know. And I think he's updating the Cabinet on this bid later. And um, yeah. just if we do get this, if we are successful in our bid, what will it mean for Cork? I mean, it's going to be a huge boost for the local economy. Um, it's going to bring so many international 
international visitors here? Absolutely. I mean, you're going to have, like bearing in mind, it is the third biggest event internationally. You're going to have people from all over the world coming to see this event. It happens every four years. It lasts for a whole week. Well, it's six days with a day, you know, a day just to take into consider, uh, consideration of the weather. You have two races a day. So there's a lot going on. So, I mean, you're going to see people wanting to book well in advance to come here to Ireland on their holidays. Um, so, therefore, I think it's giving people, it's going to give people the opportunity now to showcase their venues, mm-hmm. their guest houses, hotels, get some restaurants up and running. There's just people can think outside the box now because there's going to be so many people coming to the area. And when is it happening? Okay, so 2024, and normally there's a 30-month lead-up to it. So two years, two and a half years preparation time. Brilliant. Well, listen, thanks very much, Joanna, for joining us on the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Uh, I suppose we'll stay tuned on that because that would be a huge event for Cork if it does take place. That's the America's Cup, and I'm told that it's informally known as the Owl's Mug, so maybe um, somebody might recognise that name more than the America's Cup. Back after this. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Fiona Corcoran in for PJ Coogan on the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Now, earlier I was speaking to Karen and Dennis from Chucky's and the Planet about the continued closure of soft play centres. And our, one of our listeners has been in touch to say, I can't understand how the likes of Chucky's and the Planet are not allowed open, yet hotels that have soft play centres are allowed to have them open. I have eight-year-old twin boys who are both severely autistic. Play centres are their safe place since they have have been closed. We have nothing. And indeed, that was the point that Karen O'Mahony was making also. Um, also, Anne has been in touch with regards to children getting the vaccine. And she says, just wondering why are they giving young, healthy people the vaccine? Why can't they do the antibody test on them first? I mean, they have their own herd immunity. They're mixing with each other for months. Granted, let the ones with underlying conditions get it. But healthy boys and girls, it's all wrong. When they go back to school, instead of asking, where did you go on holidays? They will be asking what vaccine did you get it's going to cause divisions in the classroom between friends with kids forcing their parents to let them get it I'm not an anti-vaxxer this virus is an older person's disease leave the kids alone would you agree with that sentiment that Anne has do you think that children and teenagers shouldn't have to get the test or are you a parent who's glad that your, your teenager is getting the, the vaccine uh, call us on 1850-715-996 or 0833-969696 Now, um, you might have noticed um, in recent months that a lot of the hedges around the city and county may not have been cut because of the nesting season and they may now be uh, coming out across uh, footpaths and roadways and Michael Collins is the independent TD for Cork South West he's been raising this this issue this morning Michael, um, are these overgrown hedges causing a danger to drivers and to pedestrians? Uh, good morning Fiona, absolutely um, and, and this has been the situation for quite some time um, on, the, on the roadside obviously um, with, uh, with uh, birds nesting and, and, and 
wildlife nesting uh, on the inside and fields, they need to be protected and that, that was always uh, being maintained by, by farm groups, by individuals who live in rural Ireland, but sadly uh, roadside verges were brought in under the same rule, which is absolutely crazy, Fiona, and it, is, it has led, and I have no doubt in saying that, led to a loss of life in, 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 in mainly in rural communities, and I live in, in one of those rural communities where we have the most stunning uh, views and the most stunning roadsides ever, but they're too dangerous in many in many places to travel. Yeah, even myself now yesterday, Michael, I was walking with my children on a footpath and I had one on either side of me and we came to a point where there was a hedge that was growing completely out over the footpath. There was briars sticking out of it and it was a case nearly that we were pushed out onto the road and it's a busy road. Um, So do you think now that obviously you know, people want to protect our country's wildlife and we get that. But should there be a, an argument for maybe just kind of trimming them back a little bit? Certainly, on the, as again, on the roadside, you know, we through, through the Heritage Dog uh, Committee a number, say three years ago, we passed a rule that the season would be extended, that people could uh, maintain the, the verges um, maybe a month extra in the year, bringing it back to September and, and, and extending it out to March. I think that doesn't go far enough in relation to the roadside. The roadside verges could be trimmed nicely back. It doesn't need to be ruthlessly trimmed, just trimmed nicely back. In around, you know, it was ever done, the Cork County Council work used to be doing it with their sides on the roadside and used to maintain every one of the rural roads long ago and wildlife was always and always at the fore- forefront at that stage of their, uh, people's lives but we have situations where people are trying to cycle uh, you know because they, they, they love cycling and uh, when they're on holidays people are trying to drive roads and I think a lot of people and, and it's not discredited to the people that they're not used to these uh, uh, briars and bushes and they, they tend to go across the white line uh, to drive quite a lot, which actually puts them in far bigger danger because they're facing a vehicle, a lorry or a car of some sort, instead of being tucked in neatly to their own side of the road, but they can't. But the funny thing is this, Fiona, I can travel tomorrow morning to Dublin or this morning to Dublin whenever I'm going to the dog, and the verges are continuously being cut on the motorway, and they never interfere with road traffic. All the way from Cork to Dublin, they're maintained. 365 days of the year um, cleanly brought back and cleanly it's more for a vision uh, situation there because they can't, no matter how much they grow they'll never grow anywhere near the roadway because there's massive links away from the roadway but it's astonishing to think that the verges on the motorway have legally been allowed to be cut mm. and the verges on the rural communities have been uh, neglected So do you feel now that it's a case of human life over wildlife? Well, Minister Madigan at that time, she was Minister at that time, made a decision that uh, well, this extension was allowed and voted for and, and discussed democratically inside the Dáil. She went to some uh, conference where there was a lot of talks about the protection of wildlife and the roads and, and, and the verges and she, she, she throughout the whole decision. And I, I do remember quite clearly saying to her at the time, the problem is you live where there's nothing but car and ship. And it's lovely if you live in that situation because you don't understand how we live. And I see cars coming to the motor, we'll say to the edge of a cross, and moving out onto a main road, halfway across the main road before they realise it's safe or not to pull out there. And I am inundated from fathers and mothers, obviously parents that are driving cars. Can we cut this road? Can mm-hmm. we cut that road? I didn't, we're trying to, you, you can plead a case in relation to health and safety, but the council has to go to a lot of trouble over that. Instead of it being made very clear that rural roadside verges should be maintained by the local authority, we're paying 
our our our, our um, household tax. We're paying enough taxes in this country, and have it. We have a situation where our virgins uh, are are leaving people in an inability to travel. Now, I'm sure when Miss Minister Manigan made that um, decision, that she was concerned that she was concerned about human life, but that you know, I suppose there has been such a big campaign um, about trying to save wildlife, and and particularly the the nesting season to not cut trees um, and not cut hedges during the nesting season which is March to September um, but yeah it is um, you know I, I witnessed it myself a couple of times but you know these overgrown hedges and, and briars coming out over the footpaths are definitely causing a lot of um, risks for people as you say for cyclists and pedestrians and motorists and I suppose now we just have to kind of look at maybe trimming them back rather than as you say butcher the whole things and cut them away back and that was never, in fairness, the intention of, of any plans put forward. Mm. There was, it was quite simply a common sense approach. It, unfortunately, and, and, and so this is with everybody, like if you come from a Dublin City constituency, and it isn't an issue there. Yeah. But certainly, I can guarantee you, I was travelling the other day. Now, I'm well used to travelling to that situation, and I know that the, the, the verge with the bushes and the birds, you can pull in and look, they might leave a little scratch. We're well used to scratches in our cars, and we get on with that. But the bottom line is, um, I, had tra- I was travelling the other day, and there was somebody left in the car and he said you know both your mirrors have been struck by um, the verges coming out on both sides whether it was briars or, or, or whatever ferns or whatever just striking both mirrors on both sides of the car and that'll tell you how, how enclosed the roadsides are in rural and they're smaller roads yes and people need to tuck in but if you're riding a bike you could have, mm. some people are terrified in case they get struck by a briar which you, you find hard to blame them because they get tore uh, their skin and uh, it's, it's, it's a crazy situation that needs to change and there needs to be all round um, sensible uh, verge trimming uh, on the roadside all round. In the inside of farms different rules and regulations need to apply and a little bit of an extension of time maybe but other than that there needs to be rules there because that's where uh, the birds do nest and that's where uh, wildlife nest but not on the roadside because I can certainly tell you um, if you wanted to any minister or any politician that tells you that the the, the the birds are nesting on the roadside have no idea how birds live because they will not dare nest where there's a continuous tremble of traffic and lorries and, and, and a busy roadside. They're inside where there's peace and quiet and they're mm. not going to be scared or they're not. The, 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 the wildlife that's, you know, being born and is not being born on the roadside. It's, it's inside the land. And common sense tells that, but uh, unfortunately they've confused both. So we need to go back and look at the, the whole situation and, and there needs to be a complete allowance of verge cutting all your own. Michael Collins, TD, thanks very much for joining us on the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM this morning. What do you think? Do you think that the hedges should be cut back or do you think that should be left alone for the, the wildlife? Let us know, 1850 715 the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 On Cork's 96FM. Just in relation to a number of issues that we've been discussing on the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM this morning, Sheila has been untouched to say, I think the kids have strong resistance to COVID and they should not get a vaccine. Also in touch with us was another caller to say, why interfere with people who are still developing? I got the vaccine, but I'm fine. My grandchildren are building their 
immune um, system, it's too soon to be giving them these vaccines. In relation to hedge cutting, if hedges are cut before March, they don't grow to a dangerous issue by September. Firstly, you're very wrong with where birds nest. And secondly, there is other wildlife using hedges to build their home. Thank you very much for that. Keep your comments coming in to us 1857-15996 or 0833-969696. Now, um, a new spunout.ie campaign wants to help young people have safer social experiences in a post-lockdown world. This will include information pieces, articles and resources about how to recognise sexual violence and crucially how to address it in a non-confrontational way. Emer Clogher, good morning. Morning, how are you? Emer, just tell me this campaign obviously it's very important now, as you say, we're coming out of a, a, a lockdown situation. What kind of information will people find on this campaign? Yeah, so the Better Than Before campaign um is being launched at the moment and the information that we're providing is how to recognise inappropriate um sexual behaviour in social spaces, how to intervene to stop it and how to support somebody who has been a victim of sexually inappropriate behaviour. I just see that um, your definition of sexual violence, um, it ranges from sexist jokes and unwanted touching to sending unwanted naked pictures, sexual assault and rape. So, I mean, it's such a broad um, area, isn't it? Like, you know, what kind of issues are people coming to you guys with? What kind of um, problems are they experiencing? It really is such a broad term and I think that people don't actually know how broad it is. When you think of sexually inappropriate behaviour, you immediately think of more extreme versions of it like sexual assault. Mm. Um, but we get all issues coming to us because every every form of sexual violence and, and sexual assault are all issues faced by young people. And currently, the stats in Ireland are at one in five women in particular um, are experiencing sexual assault and sexual um, violence. And the number is probably higher, but uh, we don't have as up-to-date information as we probably should. I was speaking to a caller yesterday on the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM and she was saying that, you know, she was buying an ice cream and a couple of uh, lads in the queue started catcalling her and making fun of her. And, do you know... Um, I suppose some people may see it as a joke but she found that very intimidating and I think it highlights just how this kind of um, harassment really affects people. Yeah, I mean, in those scenarios people, like, they, they might think it's funny but this, this this person obviously didn't feel safe in that scenario and uncomfortable in, in her own, like, community. So the campaign is really about how to help someone like that. So, for example, if somebody else was in the shop with her and they witnessed whatever catcalling was going on mm. they could approach her and ask her you know are you okay um do you want me to call someone or like even just to sit and talk with them pretend they know them that they're their friend in case they are uncomfortable and they would like some support and indeed um ucc had a bystander intervention program that they launched recently as well and I suppose that's kind of covering all of that that if you see something like that happening what do you do and I know your campaign is being um, supported by that Yeah it's an excellent intervention that UCC are running and it really should be rolled out to all universities across the country and even probably into some schools as well so this information is available to young people and they have the knowledge on what is appropriate and inappropriate and how to 
stop people who are acting inappropriately. Why do you think that it's important to launch a campaign like this now as we're coming out of COVID lockdown? I think it's, it's the perfect opportunity um, in, in like a post-pandemic world to start fresh. You know, people have been, um, I suppose, in a sense, starved of social interaction and mm. to go back um, again is, is just the perfect opportunity to stop this behaviour. So when, when we all interact again, that we can say this isn't appropriate anymore. It never should have been, but it's definitely not now. I think we will be speaking later on about online consent and, you know, a lot of people have been communicating online over the last 18 months. But, do you know, do you see or have you um, got reports of experiences where people have been experiencing maybe unwanted sexual advances online and really not in a position or not really sure how to handle that? Yeah, that's a really, really big issue at the moment, particularly with um, unsolicited images as well when it comes to online apps and communication and dating it's um it's very much on the rise and it is in a way more more difficult to uh, tackle especially on dating apps because the assumption is that 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 this is what you're there for to talk to somebody but there is there's obviously an, an appropriate way to speak to somebody if you're interested in them and not make them more uncomfortable Anima Clotter, um, if people want to find out about this campaign, where can they go? What do they need to do? They can go on smiles.ie um, and actually look for the articles on sexual assault or they have also launched a social media campaign using hashtag better than before where they can get information on all different forms of sexual violence and how to access supports, how to support other people and they can also get involved by posting um, their own experiences, if they're comfortable sharing that, or how they plan on helping other people in the future and make Ireland a place that is safer and better than before the COVID-19 pandemic. Hey, we're going to just ask you, just um, in relation to Simone Biles, um, she's obviously stepped back into the Olympics and, um, you know, she she spoke openly about mental health issues. Do you think that somebody like her is, um, is, is, is an inspiration for a lot of young girls? Definitely. I think her, her resilience, first of all, is, just, is, is quite inspirational. But the fact that she is pursuing still... Um, her passion and what she loves despite all of her all the challenges she faced along the way is definitely an inspiration and is, is a really a beacon of hope for people as well that things things can and, and will get better if you can get the support you need and you're you're in a society that is willing to help you Brilliant, listen, thank you so much for joining us here on the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM this morning picture this with unconditional and if you want to hear more of those kind of songs over the summer when you're out in your back garden well tune into the Cork's 96FM's exclusive online station the Back Garden Festival it's back and we're streaming the biggest hits from your favourite festival stars with Harvey Norman and JBL your specialist in sound this summer listen on our app or go to 96FM.ie now just in relation to the hedge cutting 
We were speaking to Michael Collins TD about hedges that are growing out over footpaths and roads and making conditions dangerous for pedestrians, cyclists and uh, drivers. And Kate has been in touch to say, would it not make sense to just keep up with trimming hedges instead of massacring them once or twice a year? Keep your comments coming into us 185715 the airport and Kinsale being closed to all traffic and I think I did see there on the Cork safety alerts that there has been a crash somewhere along that road so if anybody is in that area uh, just be careful and maybe we might get some more update on that as the show goes on. Now in relation to the um, vaccines, we've had a lot of calls on that. Um, some people are wondering why um, children are getting vaccinated. And we were speaking earlier to John Sheehan, Dr. John Sheehan, about the walk-in centres that are going to be open over the weekend. Just for people who um, wanted some information with regards to that, on Saturday in Clonakilty in the GAA Club, it'll be open from 11am to 3pm. On Sunday, Bantry Primary Care Centre, between 11am and 3pm on Sunday in Cork City Hall between 1pm and 4pm and on Monday MTU in Bishopstown which is the former CIT between 10am and 4pm and for anyone who is going to be going to any of those centres, um, just some information that you need to know. It's a walk-in first dose, dose um, vaccination. So anyone who has had a first dose is not eligible. It's for anyone who's getting their first dose and it's for anyone age 16 or over. They'll be offering first doses of the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine. The second doses will not be available. Um, and these walk-in clinics are only open to people who have not already received any dose. And um, you need to bring your ID when you're going to one of those centres and um, I think now we have um, on the line Brian Hogan um, to talk about the Cork match on Sky. Good morning Brian. Good morning Fiona, how are you? I'm very well. This is an exciting development Brian. Yeah look sure it is great for Cork holding in the sense that we're in a quarter final and we started out probably not not so good against Limerick but we bounced back and I'm delighted for the Cork holders and that for, uh, that we're still in the championship. Okay, and um, it's sorry, I actually said that it was on Sky, but it's not on Sky, is that right? No, it is on Sky. It's you... on Sky, and if you don't have Sky, you can watch the game. It's uh, There's no coverage on, there's no RT coverage. This is the third game that Cork have played this year, and all three games have been shown on Sky. Right. Uh, the point I'm trying to make is that this was sold out a long time ago. And the point that the GA saw this off at is was that they were trying to promote the game of holding and football, Gaelic football, outside of Ireland. Now I've no issues, and I'm delighted because I lived abroad for a long, long time for in the states for no good number of years. And I've known the new chairman of the GA, uh, mm. President, sorry, President Larry McCarthy from Park from Bishopstown. I've known him quite well, and we often went to watch matches together. And I'm surprised that GA have just blatantly sold out the sky completely. We, you, you can't watch the game unless you have Sky. No, you yeah. can go down to the pub. But it, my point being, maybe you've got a young family mm-hmm. and you don't want to take them to the pub. Maybe one of your partners is working and you don't have, you, you haven't got the ability to go down to the pub on your own then because you haven't got a babysitter. Or maybe that if you do, both partners want to go and watch the game, that you have to get a babysitter go down. Maybe there's all people that just don't want to go to the pub and watch it. There's mm-hmm. no opportunity this year if you want to watch a live cock match. 
to watch it on a, a regular RTTV. My point being that is also that that if Sky, if the if the GA want to promote the Gaelic games in England or any other place, the the Sky show, I'm delighted with that. But at the same time, the people of Ireland, our national games should be shown to us. We've plenty of other options. You've two. RT channels, you have a TG Cahill channel, mm. you have uh, TV3, there's two TV3 channels, surely this could have been accommodated by RT, by, by the GEA. That, okay, we want to give it to Sky, no problem, but anybody living in Ireland should be on spell to view this for having to pay for it. Absolutely, and I suppose there's a lot of people who can't even afford to have Sky in their home. Well, I, I don't. I'm 46 <laughs> years of age, I wouldn't consider my an old person, I wouldn't think, but I've no use to Sky Sports. I don't watch the Premiership. That's just my choice. I don't watch it. Uh, if there's a game on that, that's free to hear um, or something, I'll watch it. Like, if Man City were playing something, I'd watch them, but that'd be about it. I wouldn't go out of my way to go and watch a game, you know, on on uh, on Sky Sports. It's just an absolute disgrace. And like, we have a, a president now, the J.R. Cockman, and I know Larry McCarthy for a long, long time. And I'd love to know what Larry's opinion now is on Sky getting all the rights to this. There's three games and not once have we the opportunity to watch it? And I don't think that the Sky coverage is better than, than RT coverage, to be honest with you. I don't think their cameras mm. are as good. I don't think the, their uh, commentating is as good. So I've seen one of the games on Sky, but I had to go last week. Myself and my wife bought, had to pay for a babysitter, go down, watch the match, get a couple of drinks, and come home again. I mean, it was a costly affair, and it was outdoor. So you had the sun blaring down. We live in a small village. Mm. There was like an umbrella put over the television, trying to watch it, and it's going, this is ridiculous, like... And I suppose, Brian, like if somebody was sick, they're not going to be able to go into the pub and no, watch it. No, you can't. You can't. I have, a, I have a very, very good friend. I have one of my best friends my whole life. He had a serious farm accident this year. He's recovering and it's a slow recovery, but he's getting there. Now, his wife is in us. She's working. It's out the evening. He's got no way of watching this game. He doesn't have Sky and he's at home now and he's going to, have, he's going to be minding his three kids. He's got no way of watching this game when he listen. It's like 1940s Ireland. Our ears are clapped up to the radio, hoping, to, hoping that we can get a gist of the game. And the GAA do get a lot of money off the government too, so they should be mindful of that, really, shouldn't they? No, no, you get a lot of money off the government. The GAA is based on a community organisation. Mm. They're based on a community organisation. But just to tell you why, this is, and I love the GAA. It's, it's what I do. It's for the kids and everything. I think it's a great output. I think it just builds character and everything in people. And they're selling out the people, our own people. We've sold ourselves out completely. I think it's an absolute disgrace article. It should be like, uh, it, this was passed the Congress. I don't believe it was even voted on. But we, we're a cock. We should be able to stand up for Congress and say, listen, this isn't passing at all. I mean, this wouldn't be good enough for the people of Cork. Right? It should be more, more of a fight in the people of Cork. We can see it now in our holding. We're coming back. There's more and more of a fight coming in the people of Cork again. Yeah. Brian, I suppose like we can't see it on the TV for a lot of people, but uh, don't forget that uh, radio is a great medium for sports. There's some great, really great, oh, exciting yes. commentary <laughs> on the radio. There is some great, exciting commentary. I don't deny that, Fiona, and you've great coverage on all of it. But it's just that in an age of defini- with high-definition television, mm-hmm. I mean... You have even the slitters after changing colour now. I don't know why. I don't know, maybe it's a racial thing or something. <laughs> it's yellow now or something, I don't know. But um, no, it's, it, 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 this is this is absolutely shocking. Like mm. Three games and every one of them have shown in the sky with no, not a hope for regular test TV to show it. 
Yeah, indeed. Brian, thanks so much for joining us on the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM this morning. I'm sure there are a lot of listeners who agree with Brian. Do you think that the the hurling matches should be shown on the national broadcaster and not just exclusively on Sky? Call us on 1850-715-996 or text 083-396-9696. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Quartz 96 FM. Now, welcome back. Just before the break, I was speaking to Brian Hogan about the Cork match being shown exclusively on Sky and he was saying that it should be shown on the national broadcaster because a lot of people don't have access to Sky. A listener has been in touch via WhatsApp to say, if RTE pays for the rights to GAA matches, how are they going to pay the Duffies and Tubbers? Another caller has been in touch to say, my best friend lost her husband and loves the GAA. It reminds her of the good times together. Unfortunately, she can't afford Sky. And even after a lifetime support and dedication, she is out of luck. It is sad to see. What's your own opinion on that? Do you think it should be shown on on the national broadcaster or do you think it's it's fine to be exclusively on Sky? 1850-715-996-083-396-9696. Now, earlier... We were also speaking to Deputy Michael Collins down Cork South West about hedgerows and he was saying that a lot of the hedgerows are um, growing out over the roads and the footpaths making issues dangerously. Marion has been in touch and she wants to defend the hedgerows. Good morning, Marion. Good morning, Fiona. Thank you for having me. You were listening to Michael Collins and he was saying that, you know, the hedges should be put cut back or just trimmed because he is aware that they can't be cut because of nesting season. Um, but what's you, you have a different view on this. Yeah, I mean, it is very important that we keep the hedgerows for the wildlife. Hmm. It is not only the birds we are talking here. We are talking about all the pollinators who need the flowers, which uh, are not there if you cut it. And I said, when you cut the hedges in March, just before the uh, law says don't cut it anymore, then they don't grow by September into a dangerous issue. They are just growing a bit. And that is important for all the wildlife. It is not only birds. It is all invertebrates and um, mammals who will be there, Mm. even at the roadside, because he said they don't do at the roadside. And that is not really true because we have so little nature for diversity, for the pollinators and the wildlife that they use every place they can which is including the roadside. That's why you see all the, for example, that's why you see all the um, hedgehogs killed on the road because there is no other place for them to go. So you're saying that if they cut the hedges before March, um, you know, because it's the nesting season from March to September. So if they cut it before March, there shouldn't be an issue by this time of the year. Correct. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. 
underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And the other thing is, why are there fatalities because people have to walk on the road. That means we have to talk about the infrastructure. Why do people have to walk on the road and then not even wearing high V that they can be seen by cars approaching? We have to talk about the possibility to build walkways, roadways where people can walk their dog Mm. without the need of going onto the main road. And do you think then that, um, you know, that we should be looking at the way we do things very differently here in this country, in particular in rural areas? Um, you know, Michael was making the point that a lot of tourists would visit our our county, you know, especially in areas around West Cork, um, and they may not be familiar with the roads. And, you know, leaving the hedges grow like that, it is a danger, I suppose, to pedestrians and motorists, but maybe we should look at because he was suggesting trimming them back, but if we just cut them back altogether, I suppose between September and March, we should be okay then for the summer. Well, I think the issue there is that we have to build walkways for people Mm. that they don't need to go on the road. It's like, it, it it all comes down to education, you know? Like 100 years ago, everybody was walking the road because there were no at least no fast cars around. And um, like the spraying is another issue. We have so much trouble. We know that Bayer is sued millions and millions and billions because of the health issues they um, produce, let's say. It is known that the non-Hodgkin's lymphoma is is um, related to the the Roundup, mm. and it's still used. Yeah. You see, when when I was younger, I sprayed myself because that's what we knew. But now I educated myself, and I know how bad it is. And I always say, if you don't have bees, you don't have beer. because people don't you see people don't put the points together they just say oh I hate bees they sting whatever and um, which is only partially true 
too. But if we know how bad spraying is, if we don't have any insects, we have no pollinators, we have no fruit, no vegetables, no wheat, no beer in the end. <laughs> and I think and that's something that's going to resonate a lot with our listeners here this morning, especially myself here now, Marion, this morning. Oh, thanks for, get, for getting in touch with us. Also on the line, we have Mary Higgins, who wants to discuss the hedgerows. Good morning, Mary. Hi. Um, You're I saying that there's two the, sides the, to this argument. Two sides, mm. no, there's two sides to every hedge. <laughs> is what I'm saying my kind of thing surely the, the side that is a road safety issue and uh, for pedestrians motorists you know if you meet a combine harvester coming towards and you can't see it because of the overgrowth you know overhanging the road mm. like on the other side of the hedge there's a field generally yeah where all the wildlife can, you know, there's two sides to a hedge, 50%. If we only cut back the road side of it, the other side of it is there yeah. for wildlife. And, you know, okay, I can agree if it can be sorted by cutting the hedges in March. Yeah. But that that hasn't been done. That wasn't done this year. So we are now in the situation that our roads are extremely dangerous for motorists and pedestrians. So by cutting back, if, if we cut back the hedgerows now, the, the part on the other side is at the discretion of whoever owns the field or land on the other side to leave it there for wildlife. And that's, they can do whatever they like with that. They're not prevented ever from cutting the hedge on their own, side, on their own property. Brilliant, Mary. Thanks so much for getting okay. in touch with us here Thank on the Opinion Line in Corks 96 FM. And there's been more comments coming in in relation to that hedgerows issue. Uh, one caller says, I tried to cross the main road coming from Blackpool to Farron Cleary up to the Glen. You can't see the cars when standing at the lights and the cars can't see you unless you're about six foot tall. And the only wildlife nesting in the brushes are the giant rats. Another listener has been in touch to say, I totally agree with Mr. Collins. A lot of the rural roads are dangerous because of the hedges. There are a lot of visitors touring around at the moment. Some of them are driving as if they are on a motorway. This summer so far I've had three near fatal incidents on the road because of hedges and speed and drivers not taking care on rural roads. Um, keep your comments coming into us on this issue with regards to the hedgerows 1850-715-996 or 0833-969696. We're moving now to a story that um, that the Southern Star have been reporting on today. Kieran O'Mahony is a journalist with the Southern Star. Good morning, Kieran. Morning, Fiona. How are you? I'm very well. Kieran, this is a really bizarre case that came before Bandon District Court last week. Yeah, well, it was actually two weeks ago. Yeah, but I mean, it, yeah, bizarre, bizarre uh, case indeed. Um, like, will I go through it there? Do or? yeah, just yeah. give us a little bit of information yeah. as to what happened. Basically, a. Um, a West Cork man had reported to the Gardaí that he had been the victim of fraud through um, the dating uh, site Cynthia Fish, mm-hmm. where he had transferred money to a woman that he had met online on four different occasions, totaling to about €2,000. And then when Gardaí started investigating where the money went and made inquiries to AIB, they traced the money had gone through a bank account belonging to a man in Cork. Right. So they about they contacted this man and told him that he was being charged with money laundering offences 
But he later transpired that he was also the victim of fraud romance from the same dating site and probably from the same person called Mary, where he had given almost 19,000 euros to her over the space of a few years and had paid for her flights to come to Ireland. And then, of course, Mary probably disappeared. Yeah, or Mary might not ever have been a Mary at all. (laughs) Mary, yeah. And so this man in Cork City was completely taken back with he was now being charged with money laundering and terrorism financing offences when he didn't, he had no idea. He just thought he'd been duped out of money and had moved on. And was he so charged then before the court? He was charged, yeah, he was charged with four, uh, four charges, uh, allowing his bank account to be used. Mm. So what, what transpired is that Mary, who had got almost, you know, 19,000 from him, used his bank account details to scam this other man out of almost 2,000 euros. So the charge was that he facilitated it by allowing, by giving his bank details to another person. And what happened then at the end of the case? What happened at the end of the case? Yeah, at the case? end of the case, I think uh, George James Agnolte, he did say, you know, he, he did say it was a bit strange that with the, his solicitor had said that the man had fallen in love with the woman and he thought mm. that was a bit strange considering he had never met her or spoken to her and all communication was through WhatsApp. But he just, he told them he, you know, maybe needs to get out more, maybe. But he did dismiss the case under the Probation Act. Right. And he also directed that his name and the other man's name not be published either. So I suppose he was, you know, he was considerate enough um, that they haven't been identified. Yeah, that's kind of yeah. an unusual move in the courts, isn't it? Very, very, yeah, yeah. And uh, interesting enough, just this week, there was two men arrested on Monday in an ongoing investigation into romance fraud of the country. And in that case, then, there was a man apparently defrauded of almost €28,000 from a dating website. Mm. And it transpired there that the money was laundered through the accounts of two persons, two people in Tipperary in Dublin. So, I mean, it, it's a really, it's a nationwide problem I'd say. I suppose it's a lesson for us all to be wary of who we meet online because we don't exactly. really know who we're talking to. Yeah, yeah. I mean this girl Mary now had told the Cork City man uh, who'd lost the 19,000 that she was from Mayo and that she was in America and she was trying to sort out family of finances and couldn't get checks cleared and you know she spun a yarn to him basically and said she mm. needed money. Yeah. And she spun the same yarn to the West Cork man as well. Or something similar. We're not, we don't have the details of that, but he did transfer money on four occasions. But at least he had, uh, you know, a cop on to report it as well. Yeah, A yeah. lot of people may be very un- un- unwilling to do that because it would put them in the frame and people would say, oh, how could you have let this happen scenario, you know? Like, I see there Judge James McNulty is quoted as saying, this man was more sinned against than sinned and it was a devious betrayal of his kind nature and he fell exactly, for her yeah. hook, line and sinker. And he also said that, as you said, he needs to get out more. He has a nice manner on him and there was no need for him to be hiding in the attic. Yeah, very good. <laughs> very good line, yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So I thought it's a warning to people, just be careful who, who you chat to on dating sites like Plenty of Fish. Mm, yeah, it is. Um, do you know, as we said, you just don't know when you're going on to these websites, you know, who you're getting in touch with. Yeah. So, you know, and I think it's an unusual move to be sending people money 
you know, people that you don't really know apart from what. Exactly, yeah. yeah but I suppose, look, in this case, if your man thought he was in love, he was in love. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We can't argue with that. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Kieran, thanks so much. That's Kieran O'Mahony from the Star newspaper. Now, just in relation to the um, call that I had with Brian Hogan earlier about um, the hurling match being shown exclusively on Sky, um, we're getting quite a reaction to that. One caller has said, he's dead right. A friend of mine in New Hampshire gets all the GAA matches live over there and we can't support our own teams here in Cork. It's a disgrace. That came in from Jer. Another caller to say, the GAA are not interested in letting people outside Ireland look at football or hurling. It's the money they want. Uh, Pat has been in touch to say, it's a disgrace, not an RTE simply, but would English people settle if Premier League was an RTE only and not Sky? It's horrible. We can't watch our national sport free to air. And then they have the nerve to ask us to pay for a license. Love the show. Thank you, Fiona. Thank you, Pat. Mick has been in touch to say Fiona, the GAA became a corporate entity in 2008 when they changed the All-Ireland medal to an evil three-headed serpent corporate medal. It's all about money now. Um, John has been in touch to say GAA are not to blame. It is the RTE. The GAA are fantastic. Keep your comments coming in to us. 1850-715-996-083-396-9696. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Fiona Corcoran in for PJ Coogan. Just, we were speaking quite a lot there about the Cork hurling match being shown exclusively on Sky and many of you were giving out about it but a listener has been in touch to say the Cork match is available on Saturday on Sky through the Now TV for a one-off fee of €10. No need for a subscription so just download the app. We were also talking about vaccines and the walk-in vaccine centres and somebody got in touch saying how would young people, the 15 to 18 year olds be able to uh, walk in without, uh, or the 16 to 18 year olds, sorry, without uh, 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 an ID. And Aideen has been in touch via WhatsApp to say, hi Fiona, in relation to anyone that doesn't have ID for vaccination process, they can go to their local Gardaí and fill out a form that's accepted in the vaccine centre. My 20 year old brought a birth certificate and passport photo. The guard signed the form and photo, no issues at all. Thanks very much for that, Aideen. Hope that answers some of the listeners' questions. 1850-715-996-083-396-9696. Now, in the modern world, consent while dating during COVID-19 restrictions, some people may have engaged in online sexual activity as alternatives to physical sexual activity with partners. Consent is just as important in the digital world as it is in a physical environment. And here to talk about all of that is Olivia Tehan from from the Sexual Health Centre here in Cork. Good morning, Olivia. Hi, Fiona. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Thanks for joining us. Um, Olivia, first of all, I suppose because we were all told to stay at home for the past 18 months, it's been a very difficult time for people who are dating. So they've moved Mm. more to online. Is that right? Absolutely. A lot of people have. And I mean, you know, like online messaging in that context and dating as well um, was was popular with a lot of people beforehand but um, I'm sure there's certainly a lot of people who maybe have tried it for the first time during COVID or just relied on it that bit more you know. So how important is it to highlight the whole issue of online consent now? 
it's getting more and more important. As I said, like this isn't something that might come into people's minds if they're not used to online dating. Um, and also like the younger people are, um, if they're, if they're uh, taking part in sexting or um, just any other aspect of online dating, if it's getting to that kind of sexual stage, it's so important to keep in mind that consent matters there too. It's not, uh, you can't disconnect reality from the fact that you're communicating with somebody. And if you are sending messages that are of any kind of sexual nature, there's uh, that's sexual activity and you need to have mm-hmm. consent from both people there and it needs to be, you know, freely given um, and it, it, there's no, there's no, um, there's no way to separate the, the, the reality of it and the reality is that you're having sexual communication or sexual interaction and consent is needed whether that's online or virtual or wherever it is. Some people might think it's easier to say no when they're physically there, when they're present in person. But I suppose with with online, maybe they fear that there's no getting away from this person if they do um, say no to their advances. Well, yeah, I mean, I suppose for some people, yeah, there can be that the separation in that depending on who it is. I suppose you can you can block someone or whoever, but that doesn't take away from the fact that you could have received um, unwanted like sexual interaction. You know, mm. like that's an awful thing for someone to have to experience whether it's online or not and um, it's just and it's, I suppose it's important for people as well to be able to recognise that like this is not okay if that's something that's been sent to you and you didn't consent to it that's not okay and it's you know and from the other side as well people need to know that they need to be seeking and receiving um, willing consent to have those kind of interactions as well as giving consent obviously you need to kind of be in a, a position where you're comfortable enough um to say what you want or don't want and well maybe comfortable is is the wrong word because some Mm. people can feel you know sometimes we can feel awkward in communicating that but just to to know how to do it I suppose and that's um it's a communication skill that we're not taught like so Mm. um you know it's fair enough for people to have that kind of awkwardness but if you're not going to be having the conversation around giving and receiving consent with the other person then the sexual activity or interaction shouldn't be happening you know because if you do send a naked photograph of yourself to somebody um like there is that possibility that that could end up anywhere that's true and i suppose um the last couple of minutes i've been kind of more focusing on the messaging side of it so kind of like just explicit um verbal communicate or written communications mm. but yeah the the picture side of it definitely is a, is another um aspect for people and and yeah that's that's true that like you know you you don't have a huge amount of control in terms of where it goes now there is thankfully there is um laws in place now um to um criminalize the non-consensual sharing of those photos mm. with other people but um but yeah certainly it is something for people to be keeping in mind um and also the fact that that consent needs to be there whether it's someone that you know very well or that you are in a relationship you know that consent needs to be acknowledged um regardless it needs to be every step of the way the same as in person you know if you agree to one act or one kind of message or one kind of sex that doesn't mean that you agree to anything else or at another time you know it needs to be kind of consistently checked in on and um and yeah as i said for for the the photo side of things um whether it's kind of altered photos or whatever it is illegal now to be sharing that um without the consent of the person. you mentioned their couples um and i suppose yeah. like we have been highlighting the possible risks but online yeah. uh, um dating has been huge for for many couples who maybe it was the only way they had of communicating with each other over the last yeah. 18 months you know there's people yeah. and people living on opposite sides of the county the country or okay. even the world so you know yeah. it's not all bad i suppose 
No, yeah. And I mean, it is like people have, you know, very, very valid needs. Like people want to be connecting and sexually connecting. And um, and it's great that people had an avenue to do that for sure. But it's just that it does need to be done in a way that's safe and enjoyable for everyone, you know, and that mm-hmm. involves consent between everyone. And, and yeah, it can be uncomfortable having those conversations if you're not used to doing them. And also, if you're just not really sure what you want or don't want yourself, you know, that kind of takes a bit of figuring out. So mm. it can be a bit uncomfortable to have those conversations, but they absolutely need to be happening, um, whether it's online or in person. And Olivia, you guys over in the Sexual Health Centre are doing amazing work in promoting safe and healthy sex. So if anybody wants to have, um, you know, to, to find out any information on, you know, consent or online dating, um, is there anywhere that they can find information from you? Yeah, I mean, I would encourage people if they have any questions or concerns at all to get on to us. Um, our helpline is 021-427-6676. Um, and, you know, we do a range of workshops uh, with different groups and businesses and individuals. So do get on to us if anyone is looking to get in touch. And again, I would just um, kind of highlight that there's really, there's no judgment there and there's no judgment in kind of having that uh, that awkwardness around, you know, how to discuss your own wants or needs or, or giving consent yourself. It's It's not always easy for people to uh, to know how to uh, how to um you know give and receive consent it's not always as straightforward as um as as saying yes sometimes people are you know willing to do something that they actually don't really want to do and it, and it's hard to get used to to say to being assertive about that so so people i would i would encourage people to get in touch with us if they have any concerns at all Olivia what advice would you give to us uh, to anybody who is on the dating scene and as we emerge from the the lockdowns and you know we are meeting up again like are yeah. are people going to be like are you seeing a lot of people who are maybe anxious about dating again what kind of advice would you give to people well, I suppose, you know, it's different for lockdown um, or the pandemic restrictions have affected people quite differently, I suppose. So people have um, different uh, kind of anxieties or excitements about being able to see people in general. And that has definitely trickled into the dating world. So some people are, are probably quite excited to get out there. Um, and, you know, it also depends on how, how safe people feel anyway with interacting um, in person again. So I would really just be encouraging people to, if you are having... Um, any kind of sexual um, relationships now going forward to please uh, protect yourself as best as possible um, and to get um, your condoms from ourselves if you need them um, Mm. and also to be making sure that you're getting your STI checks if needs be too. So enjoy but stay safe. Olivia Tehan, thank you very much for joining us on the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Can we just talk the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Quartz 96 FM. Keep your comments coming in to us on 1850-715-996-083-396-9696. Michael Moriarty has been in touch to say it's an absolute disgrace that we can't watch our national game on our national channel. Most people have supported our national TV for years. Money grabbers, stay safe by the Baldy Barber. Thank you very much for getting in touch with us um, this morning. Now, um, author Donna Hurrahan has a new book and it's called A Friend for All Seasons. It's a kid's book and he's joining me now to talk about the book. Good morning, Donna. Good morning, Donna. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. Donna, A Friends for All Seasons. I'm just looking at it here. It's Join Hungry Hedgehogs, Busy Bees and Slimy Slugs as you read all about a year in the garden and the visitors that it brings. So what kind of a book is it? What can people expect to get from it? 
Hi. So um, thanks for, for having me on. Um, so this really, I suppose, is a half, you know, fiction, half bit of education around the garden, the, the animals that we see in the gardens here in Ireland. Mm. Um, it's basically um, a full true rhyme and it goes from January to December and kind of, you know, talks about the, the, the most common uh, animals, birds, bees that we'll see in the garden, what they get up to. And, um, you know, a few little kind of hints and tips about, you know, um, helping wildlife in your garden, kind of what to plant, when things will bloom, and, um, you know, just kind of a, a bit of fun for, for, for young kids through, through sort of uh, some sort of watercolour illustrations as well. And what so, was the inspiration for the book? Um, well, I have two boys myself, a four-year-old and a two-year-old. Lovely. Um, Busy. <laughs> going, on, going on teenagers at this stage now. Um, so, look, we um, are lucky enough to have a little bit of space in, in the back here. And we've kind of spent the last, I suppose, since March of last year, experimenting out in the garden just with you know doing some raised beds and planting from seeds you know feeding the birds bird baths etc and we kind of you know like to keep them interested in nature myself and my wife hmm. so um, we you know kind of get them involved we get them you know digging out the potatoes pulling kale you know helping cut the sweet peas etc and um, the the one thing as well is they, they love reading so yeah. um, I gave a my first go at a book last year and it was kind of received quite well. It was a, a Christmas book just about lockdown in the North Pole and I said I'd give it another go this year. And that book, of and course, was Elf Isolation and I Elf read that myself yeah. and I really enjoyed it. It was brilliant. <laughs> Great, thanks for that. <laughs> so, um, you know, that was kind of a relative small-scale success. Yeah. Um, so I said I'd give it another go this year and go down the, the self-publishing route and um, kind of, you know, it's... Uh, been you know it's you know it's been a nice kind of a distraction out, out of work you know while uh, for, for for the year that mm. we've had so um, you know um, the the kids seem to like it and they're the biggest critics you know yeah. um, and as I said like they, they love reading and I kind of was struggling a little bit to find a nature educational book for them that you know could be done in kind of five minutes. Um, with, a, with a bit of stuff. There's a lot of really great, I suppose, fact, factual nature books out there for kids. But um, mine are just a little bit too young for that. So I was trying to find a bit of a, a middle ground between a bit of fact and a bit of fun. So, you know, when the hedgehog goes uh, hunting for slugs, she's catching them in a net, you know, and they're pleading for mercy. You know, <laughs> a, little, a little bit dark, I suppose. But um, she, she's getting her grub. And um, then, you know, like there's, there's robins at Christmas time exchanging gifts you know, and blackbird singing in the morning and that. So, um, you know, it was just, it was a good, good bit of fun to do. Um, and as I said, I kind of went down the self-publishing route. So yeah, I was just going I, to ask you about that, yeah. Donna. Is that a difficult process? Um, I suppose it's, this isn't, you know, this is my day job. So it was kind of time, time consuming in, in the evenings, not so much during the writing of it, more the, the marketing and the distribution. So I kind of have, I've, I had a few rough drafts. Um, of the book done and I kind of really finished it two days before I went to the printers but like you're responsible for the copy editing the story working with the illustrator doing the storyboard and designs you know so you're you're in the the, the thick of it but again you know I suppose you're 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 the owner of the book as well you know so yeah. it's it's um it, there's it's not so much in the the publishing world where you kind of you write a story and it's handed off to the publishers this is you know, you're you're dotting all the I's and crossing all the T's, and you're getting kind of friends and family to help you with some 
constructive criticism, I put it that way. You know, yeah. some of which you take, some of which you, you know, throw away, you know, because <laughs> yeah. it's, it's your book. But like you're responsible for then, you know, working with the printer. And I was lucky enough to work with Waterman printers out in Little Island who are fabulous. You know, I'd recommend them to anybody mm. who wants to get on the self-publishing route. And uh, Juan and Nigel and the team there. Um, and, you know, you've, you've got to get it formatted. You have to have illustrations up to certain quality, etc. And they went off and they printed the, the initial run. Um, but that's, I suppose, only half of it. Um, then there's the marketing, the distribution side of it. So look, the, the usual route, social media is key, mm. you know, and start, um, you know, it, it, with it being a, a kid's book, look, there's obviously illustration costs, printing costs, but... I, I would say one thing not to underestimate is the distribution and marketing, you know, costs, and you have to be quite yeah. savvy about how you do that. So there would have been a few little kind of teaser uh, trailers or animations, images that I would have put out on Instagram and Facebook, etc. And, um, you know, you follow the right people, you start, you know, making the right uh, connections in, in the business. And, you know, I've been lucky to have the book now in I think we're at 52 shops nationwide at the moment now that's brilliant Great, like, yeah re- I was just really looking through the list that you have on your yeah. website there donahurrahan.com and um, there's a huge range of books that's there both in Munster and across the country across the country yeah I think about four short I need to update it um, over the weekend but like I found that um, these shop owners have just been really encouraging and I think just the way everything is at the moment they're willing to you know give something a go and if it sells it sells if it, if mm. it doesn't it doesn't you know so like um everything that went out would have come with sort of like banded bookmarks with this you know letterhead etc you're you're up against hundreds of other books on the shelves kid book yeah. you know and they receive a lot so um don't underestimate i suppose the efforts that's needed in just the the marketing and distribution side of it but you know it's been received very well so far uh, looking forward now to seeing how it's going over the summer and um, you know it's it's been a, a nice sort of a side project along with cleaning floors after kids and <laughs> cutting grass and everything else that goes on you know <laughs> Donna thank you so much that's Donna Horahan and the book of course is called A Friend for All Seasons of course, Pink made the news this week after the Norwegian women's beach handball team were told in the Olympics that they had to wear shorts. Um, no, they wanted to wear the shorts and they were told that they had to wear the bikini bottoms or else they'd be fined. And Pink had offered to pay the fine for them. So well done to Pink for that. And now for this. The Cork's 96FM Best of Cork Awards. With localheroes.ie. Find trusted local plumbers, electricians, locksmiths and more with a 12-month guarantee backed by Board Gosh Energy. The Cork's 96FM Best of Cork Awards are back. There's still time to nominate places and services that are the best in Cork. The categories are Best Hairdresser, Best Beauty Salon, Best Bar, Best Barber, Best Breakfast, Best Coffee, Best Takeaway, Best Local Tradesperson, Best Gym, Best Restaurant, Best Workplace, Best Hotel, Best Burger. Go to 96FM.ie right now and register your favourite as nominations close this Thursday at 7pm. The Best of Cork Awards with localheroes.ie Find trusted local plumbers, electricians, locksmiths and more with a 12-month guarantee backed by Borgosh Energy on Cork's 96FM. Can we just talk? 
Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850-715-996. On Cork's 96FM. Now, it's just been brought to my attention that uh, Mehel Mara, the community boatyard, is making an award to the Cork Life Centre today. Um, it's the first time they have made an award to an institution rather than an individual. And it's a nice boost for the centre, which is obviously going through a really rough time at the minute. And we've covered um, the difficulties that the Life Centre have been going through a lot on this show recently. And they've been a huge support to so many people and a friend of the, the show here on the Opinion Line on Cork's 96 FM and we wish them all the best of luck with that. Now um, the Cron Centre which is a charity that provides supports for those living with neurophysical disabilities has launched a 500,000 euro fundraising campaign to build an inclusive playground and leisure area for families with disabilities and it's going to be built in um, ovens in Cork and joining me now on the line is Maeve Murphy whose six year old son Brendan is a client of the Cron Centre. Good morning, Maeve. Good morning, Fiona. Maeve, this cent- this uh, playground, it sounds fantastic, but how important is a playground like this for somebody like Brendan? Oh, uh, it's 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 so important, really. It's, um, I suppose play is such an important part of, of childhood. And I suppose the, the, the opportunity to take part in play in a playground, which is very social and has kind of elements of risky and fun play is, is vital for every child. And I think that's something that a lot of kids with disabilities um, find difficult to access playgrounds mm. because you might you might have, you know, one accessible swing or something like that in a playground, but really there's a lot of steps and stairs. And I think the, the design for the new playground at Crown is a playground that's completely accessible with lots of room to manoeuvre around and it just, it just allows so many opportunities for play and fun. I'm sure there will be a lot of families that would avail of this playground when it is built out in ovens. Do you know, it's it's quite surprising that it's the first of its kind in Ireland. It is. I mean, yeah, I think it's it's, it's certainly it's fantastic for the ovens and Ballancolleg area, but I said there'll be children from all over Cork coming to this playground. It's in a great location. The Crown Centre is just off the Link Road. You just take that Ballancolleg exit there mm. and uh, it's, it's very easy to get to but um, I, I think sorry you're, you're sorry the question again I lost my train of thought yeah sorry uh, I was just saying that it's surprising that we don't have oh, anything yeah, like yeah. that here in Ireland it's going to be the first of its kind in the country and I suppose like it just goes to show that you know by raising this um, awareness now and, and this fundraising campaign how important it is to have facilities like this and I know here on the newsroom on 96FM yesterday they even had a clip of Brendan talking about how excited he is like what's his reaction to having something like this? Oh, it's, it is it's, it is very exciting. And you're saying the first question there just to answer that. Mm. I'd think about I'd think about kind of an anecdote that would that would kind of explain. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so sometimes, I mean, exactly. That's exactly it. It's a simple. It sounds like a really simple solution, and that that kind of shows what such a good idea is because that's the mm. one thing that everybody says when I'm you know when we're chatting about it. They're saying, "God, it's amazing that this is the first of its kind." And you know, why aren't all playgrounds designed like this with? Mm universal design principles that you know even for you know elderly grandparents to be able to access a playground it's got a good solid surface you know it just takes everything into consideration and um, certainly Brendan is very excited about it I mean it's got going to have a pirate ship swings 
slides. Um, I think a pizza oven is the thing that's on a barbecue area. That's oh, really wow. captured everybody's imagination. And I know there's a lot, lots of adults are really excited about that too because it's just going to be a social space for people of all ages with disabilities and their families and their friends um, to use. And it's, it's right here in Cork. And have families been um, consulted about this and have been able to give in their own ideas and suggestions on how, what would work best for, for families? Yes, they have. At the Really right at the beginning of the design stage, um, Crown and the OT department at UCC, so there's Helen and Alice and Grace uh, held, um, I think they were initially meant to be in-person meetings, but then obviously the, the pandemic happened, so it moved to Zoom. And they engaged with several families and there were quite a few quite a few calls where, you know, the moms and dads and families and siblings and, of course, the, the kids with disabilities themselves were able to have an awful lot of input. And they, they really listened, actually, mm. because I think when they had the call then to follow up with us about what the design was going to be like, they emailed us all the design and they went through it with us on a presentation and they pretty much had everything that, that the kids had requested in the design. It was just amazing. And Brendan, um, we said at the start, there is a client of the Cron Centre. What, what kind of um, benefits do you, does he get from being there? So it was very pretty new into Crown, actually. So we've mm. got it mostly uh, engaged in the last year and a bit, really. So it's been mostly on, on Zoom, but um, <laughs> it's a big... <laughs> so I can't wait to be able to use it more in person. So he's been there a couple of times before. Yeah. Uh, so then everything got interrupted with um, with COVID-19. But um, there's the Breaking Barriers drama group, which, um, I mean, really fair play to all the, the kids and, and the teachers involved. They kept that going on Zoom every Saturday um, for the past year and a bit. And that's been fantastic, really. It's a drama mm-hmm. group where... Um, they, you know, they do role play and they get to, I suppose, play kind of games. And also, they have a lot of discussion about drama and different characters and character development, which is it's brilliant. It's a great opportunity for them. And drama is a nice leveler as well because they can all participate and they do some singing as well. And that's one of the activities. And um, there's also then, so the opportunity there's kind of meet meetups for parents as well, which I think is really important. Um, when you have a child with a disability, it's it's really a really valuable experience to be able to chat with other parents as well and, and meet them. So so that's that's it so far. But as, as everything continues to open up now, we hope to be able to engage more and more. Fantastic. And I suppose um, it's important to point out as well that the design of this playground has been supported by researchers at UCC as well. So it is very, very much a, a well-designed facility for people. And um, Cron, the Cron Centre are looking for €500,000 fundraising for this to become a reality. So if people want to support the cause, um, where can they go? What can they do? So yeah, there's the there's the Crown Facebook page and there's a website and just contact Crown directly and they had a, a 5k walk and roll fundraiser there recently which was very successful but obviously they still I think they're only about halfway there with the funding so I think yeah can't get in touch they're they're just the Crown Centre in Bonacolig. Brilliant. And Maeve, how is Brendan? How has he been getting on over the pandemic? <gasps> he's good. I mean, he, he started in junior infants in oh. last September, so he's in his first year in school, which has gone really well. He loves school, he's loads of friends, and he's going to a great school, Scullone and Ballon College. And he, he, he obviously, junior infants 
you know, with distance learning is a bit of a challenge, as I'm sure it was for every other parent out there. Yeah. But you know, it got on, got on well. And um, as I said, it's very excited that everything is opening up again now. And, you know, hope, hopefully it does. Brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> Maeve, listen, thanks so much for that. And if anybody does want to support it, um, it's the Cron Centre and um, you can go onto their Facebook page for any of that information on um, on, on that fundraising campaign. Also, um, it's also been brought to my attention um, yesterday and I just wanted to congratulate um, a Cork coffee company called Velo Roasters. Um, their uh, coffees have now been um, brought to... Um, Tesco, um, which is a huge, uh, a huge thing for them, for and it's great to see a Cork business doing so well. So congratulations on that. Um, Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six zero eight three three ninety six ninety six ninety six. Some really exciting news this morning on the music front um, here in Cork. Now, obviously, Independence, which has been coming to Mitchellstown for years and attracting crowds of up to 15,000 people, hasn't been able to go ahead this year or last year because of COVID. But organiser Shane Dunn joins me on the line. Shane? How are you? Hiya. So, Independence is not happening this year, but we have some good news this morning. Yeah, look, it was Indies on hiatus. You know, hopefully we'll be back in fields sooner rather than later. Um, we were lucky enough to get a grant from the Department of Culture under the Live Performance Support Scheme. So so we've announced 18 shows this morning in like really small venues and kind of within the public health guidance. So, you know, max of 200 people outdoors. Right. Pods of four or six seats. You know, it's not, I suppose, not ideal, not what we'd, lo- we'd like to be doing. We'd like to have thousands of people in a field, um, you know, having a good time. But look, these will be really, really, really good shows, really strong acts. Um, and yeah, we're looking forward to it. It's from the 8th to the 12th of September in Mitchellstown. And we've got acts like Lyra, uh, Hermitage Green, The Coronas, Bellex One, Frank and Walters, uh, Stephanie Rainey, Talon McKay, you know, loads and loads of acts, about 35, 36 acts across mm. 18 shows. And are they all being shown in areas around Mitchellstown? Is that the idea? Yeah. Yeah, so we're using kind of just four outdoor spaces, really. One of them is a, is a car park that we're retrofitting into a, a venue. That's kind of the biggest of them. The capacity is about 180-something. Mm. Um, and then the other ones are three beer gardens that we're renting and taking over and, again, taking everything out and putting in PA, light, stage, yeah, you know, cover. Like, they'll be outside, but weather protected. Um yeah, so we're just building little mini venues, but look, unfortunately, the capacity of a couple of them is about 82, I think, and then yeah. one of them is 120, and then the big one is like 190. So I suppose you could say it's bringing indie back to its roots, isn't it? Because I was speaking to a girl one day who was telling me about the very first Independence Festival, and it was in Mitchellstown, and she was saying about the great atmosphere and the great buzz in the town. So it's going to be bringing that back to the town, isn't it? Yeah, look, it is, I guess. But look, you know, even with all with four shows in one night all sold out, you're, you're still looking at maybe 450 people. So, mm. you know, it's small. But yeah, look, we hope that people will, you know, some few people will come to the town, stay in the hotel, stay in B&Bs, eat in restaurants, you know, have a drink in the, in the pub and go to the gig, you know. And we've been so starved of live music. And I think at this point, we really are the only industry without a roadmap you know everything is is back you can get on a plane you can go inside a restaurant if you, if you want if you you know adhere to the guidelines that are there um us as an industry we're not even really being discussed anymore you know i don't think we were talked about this week at cabinet mm. for august so we're still stuck at 200 outdoors with social distancing unless you have a venue that's over 5,000 capacity and you can go to 500 so 
not a commercially viable um, model. So, you know, great to get these grants. And look, the way we're doing this, I think, for us was, you know, Indies obviously lost a lot of money over the last two years. There's been no mm. festivals to refund everybody. This grant won't put anything like a dent in that. But what we really wanted to do was to pay as many acts as possible, you know, spread the, the grant around, hire as many crew as we could, and like you said, hopefully create a little bit of a buzz around Mitchellstown for those for those few days in a, in a very safe, you know, environment. Um, and that's what we're doing. And Shane, it's not called Independence, is it? It's called Autumn Air, is that right? Yeah, it's Independence Presents Autumn Air. You know, <laughs> okay. we just wanted to come up with a kind of a... Because it's not indie. You know, indie was... 15,000 people, 12,500 of them camping, you know, this is completely different. You know, it's not it's not independent. So I think calling it that would have been a bit confusing, um, you know, for people. So, yeah, we just picked the name out of the air, um, excuse the pun. Um, and, yeah, and that's what we're, what we're going with. So it's on sale on Friday. Um, I don't think there's any doubt for a, a, a lot of the shows anyway that, you know, demand is going to outstrip the numbers we can, we can sell. So, look, hopefully... The people who want to get tickets can get them and, you know, they can enjoy a gig and enjoy yeah. some live music in September. And I suppose not even just for the audience, but also for the artists. I see Wild Youth are t- are uh, tweeting this morning, we've missed Cork so much. So it must be great for acts like that to know that they're going to be back on stage in front of an audience. Yeah, I think people forget that, you know, very few acts, you know, make a living from publishing, you know, from, from their, their songs being played on Spotify or TV or ads or radio. You know, 99.9% of them need to gig. They need to go out and play to an audience. That's how they earn their living. That's, you know, they're they're people with bills and mortgages and, you know, Sky TV bills and all the rest of it as well. So, like, they have have two things, you know. They've got that thing of missing playing and missing being on stage with their mates and playing to an audience and getting that feeling. But they also have missed their income, you know, and their livelihood. Mm -hmm. So, you know, these are small. It's five days work for, you know, or six, seven days work for the crew. You know, one show or two show for for acts some of the support acts like great support acts like Emma Langford from Limerick and Lorraine Nash from Cork who are doing two or three shows you know who are there for a couple of days supporting different acts but it's great to be able to give them that opportunity even if it is on you know on a small scale but I think these will be special I think they'll be you know to see Bellix One with 100 people there in a really small setting or to see the Coronas with 180, 190 people you know Corona's last show in Cork was Musgrave Park so yeah. 12,000 people, 12,500 people. So, you know, these are, are small, they're they're intimate, they're within the public health guidelines um, as we have them at the moment. So hopefully things might relax, you know, change a small bit by, by September, we'll see. Um, mm. But as it stands at the moment, yeah, small gigs, but you know, hopefully they'll be special and hopefully the people at, at them will really enjoy them. Brilliant. Shane Dunn, thanks very much for joining us on the Opinion Line on 96FM this morning to uh, bring us up to speed on that. Now, also joining me now is Trevor Hayden from Complete Pest Control. And Trevor, I said to Fergal and Katie during the week that one of my biggest uh, fears um, is flying ants. And that's what you're here to talk to me about now. (laughs) Good morning. How are you? Flying ant day. We actually had um, flying ants at our house um, over the weekend. Um, There were crawling up the walls and everything they were just like oh. but like why do we see flying ants at a certain time of the year and what's the whole uh, idea behind them <laughs> yeah so the, the flying ant is your is your normal black ant that people see in their homes yeah. but what it's called it's called the nuptial flight and it happens once, maybe twice in the summer when the conditions are absolutely perfect, when humidity, temperature, all the boxes are ticked regarding, you know, the, the conditions are just right. And basically what it is, it's them mating. 
So when you see them, you'll, you'll see two different types of ants. You see a large winged one, which is a female, mm. and a smaller winged one, which is a male. Um, and that's, yeah, so that's, that's for them, the conditions are just absolutely spot on and they're, they're breeding away. So do they just fly off then and, and start breeding? So, yeah, they'll, they'll hang around the nest area. Um, they'll start breeding and multiplying and laying eggs. Um, all the males then die after breeding. Uh, it's just left females are left to, to rear the young then. Um, and, yeah, the numbers you're dealing, you're talking about an average nest will be thousands and thousands of ants, huge numbers. And so obviously the, the, it happens in areas where ants are quite prolific. Like, you know, I actually had never even seen one until about three years ago. And then they started mm. coming around our house. And I know in that kind of Bishopstown area, um, there's always like a flying ant day and you see them all over the place. Um, but like, is um, so are there certain areas that they come to more or what's like? So ants love sandy soil. So if right. you have paving slabs or, or yeah. you know, stuff that sit, they all sit on sand and they love that type of soil. Right. Um, the numptual flight can happen at different times throughout the country, depending on the condition in, in particular areas. Um, what we what we do have in Cork is is the red ants as well, which is, you know, they'll give you a little bite. But the black ants, they're more what we classify as a nuisance pest. That they're not really mm. doing you any harm. You just rather not have them. Yeah, because they're quite ugly looking, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know about ugly now, but yeah, no, they're nice. I, I like them. Okay, <laughs> we, we'll differ on that. <laughs> but they're they're not harming anybody. I mean, like if you see them, apart from the fact that they're just crawling up your wall and they like, I think they look ugly. You think they look nice, but uh, just leave them alone. They'll be gone in a few minutes. Yes, yes, it depends. So, you know, if they're out in your garden and, you know, they're far enough away, they're not going to do you any bother. They're not going to do you any harm. Where it becomes a problem is if the nest is located close to the house, which more often than not it is because people have cobble lock or paving slab around their house. Right. And then what happens is they end up in your house. Now, what they can do, the problem with them is they can contaminate food and stuff like this. And that's where it becomes a problem. When they cross, cross that threshold and end up in your home, then it's, then it's a different ballgame. And can they bite? No, the, the the red ant. Actually, I got I was in we have a place in Ballycotton there, so I yeah. was in Ballycotton the weekend, and I got bit by a red ant the weekend, and my arm is still reefing itchy here this morning. So the black ants, no, they won't go near you. They won't bite you. The, the red ants will will absolutely bite you. The red ones, okay. So if we yeah. see the black ones, um, like you know, apart from the fact that they may <laughs> infest your home, like just they're, they're not going to cause us any harm, as in biting or nipping or anything like no. that. No, okay. no, it's it's more down to the the thing that people just don't like them. They don't want them. They're freaked out by them. Mm. Um, where where it's all possible, we encourage people to leave them alone if they're in your garden. You know, they're they're you know they're not they're going about their business. They're not doing you any harm. So. So don't come out with the ant spray or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. Like the, even these ant powders, we, we don't like the ant powders because it, it can it can become airborne. It's a very fine powder, and if disturbed, you can disturb it, and it, it can become airborne on you. Right. Are they bring? Are, are they doing any good? <laughs> Is there a benefit to having them? Yeah. There? No. No. Absolutely. Like the ants, like like even wasps. Every, every all the insects have a purpose, you know, and, and and they do contribute to to the you know how the healthy environment, healthy garden. So absolutely. Mm-hmm. They're not doing you, they're really not doing you any harm.
Yeah, because I was asking Fergal the other day about flies and blue bottles. I was like, you know, what is the purpose of them? Because I know that they drive people insane in the summertime. You know, you're leaving your windows open and yeah. they all come in. But I suppose, as you say, they all have a purpose. <laughs> they do. They do. They do. But they freak some people out. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, look, it, it shouldn't be too much longer. It, it's all weather dependent. So right. ants become like any other insects. You know, it really depends on how August and September goes. If it's mm-hmm. a late summer, they'll be around a lot longer. But if the weather changes, They'll they, you won't they'll still be there, but they just won't be there in numbers that you'll notice them. Okay, so because like I saw a flying ants there the other day, so has it passed now in Cork? Yeah, yeah. well, in your area, it doesn't okay. mean in West Cork. Then oh, that's okay. the, the conditions might be right next week. It, it varies from location to location. Okay, brilliant. All right. Well, listen, Trevor Hayden, thanks right. very much for uh, updating us on that. Um, they're definitely around the city at the minute, um, but you know, as Trevor was saying, leave them alone; they won't harm you. Thanks very much for joining us today. Thanks to the team here on the opinion line: uh, Fergal Barry, Katie O'Keefe, and Wayne Hilton. We'll be back tomorrow. Enjoy your day. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at fifty dollars, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/style for free shipping and three hundred and sixty-five day returns.